Welcome, everyone. This is the Steve Adubato Leadership Hour. I'm Steve Adubato. My colleague, Mary Gamba, is in the house. I am here. Good we're afternoon. Not, we're not actually in a house. It feels that way sometimes, though, right? As we're sitting here, it's comfortable. These great chairs that East Main Media has provided for us. Great service. Yes, and Brian Bordeaux here taking care of everything. And by the way, thank you to the team here, Brian. You know, Steve, we could take this to your house. You want to do this at your house one week? Well, that would require that the leader of our home, my <laughs> Olivia? wife. Oh. Olivia. Oh, our daughter, Olivia, who is eight and is a natural born leader. But she would uh, not be the leader I'm referring to. It would be my wife, Jennifer, mm -hmm. who is a um, quiet but very strong leader and who I am exceedingly afraid of for a variety of reasons. Mm. She has uh, an incredible power over what goes on in that house. And there's no illusion or delusion in my mind that she is the leader and I am just on board. Mm -hmm. You're there along for the ride. Yeah. You're listening, Jen. I just want to make sure I covered all the bases. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's do this. We're every week here on the Leadership Hour. We talk to a fascinating leader in any possible walk of life and we learn something new. But Mary, I always want to remind folks at the beginning how they can find out more about what we do every day as people who run a leadership company called Stand and Deliver, which has been doing this for like, I don't absolutely. know, 17, 18 years. And absolutely. And if you're listening to us in the car right now, definitely uh, don't on text AM in. On AM 970. Yes, on AM 970. Don't text and drive or look online right now. But keep in mind, you can find us online at stand-deliver.com. Could you say that again? Stand-deliver.com. That dash is a hyphen, correct? It is a hyphen. Go ahead. It is a hyphen. I think the millennials do call it a dash, but it's a hyphen. And what do they find there on this uh, website? We have a library of your articles that you've written on all the topics that we cover here, everything from meeting management to leading a seminar, leading your team. And if there is a communication or leadership challenge that you have and you're looking for tips and tools, go to stand-deliver.com. And you could also follow us on Facebook, Steve Adubato, PhD, and that's A-D-U-B-A-T-O, as well as on Twitter, Steve Adubato. And you can also subscribe to our podcast. This is brand new and super exciting on Apple iTunes, Google Play. And when you're there, give us a good rating if you like what you hear. And if you think it stinks, don't write uh, anything. Please don't write anything if you think it stinks. <laughs> Just tune into a different station or find another podcast, but that's fine. By the way, I always wonder, if what's the over-under on how many times we can say Steve Adubato in, a, in an hour? Oh, that sounds like a fun drinking game. That'll be good when we have a, a show at a later hour. But it's yes. 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. No, unless, no Although it may be football season as you're listening or hockey season or baseball season. So there's always a good time for a nice little tailgate. And the other uh, thing is, as I said, we are introducing great leaders every week. And this week is no exception. So we are pleased to be joined by our good friend Jim Kirkos, who is CEO of the Meadowlands Chamber. Uh, Jim, good to talk to you, my friend. Good to be with you guys, always. Hey, Jim, we were just doing this before we get on the air. I, I said Jim Kirkos. You said that originally your name has always been Jim Kirkus. Yeah, that's correct. So I grew up when most of my friends and family referred to uh, our last name as Kirkus. And somewhere along the line, uh, while I was working here at the chamber, a couple of people started calling me Jim Kirkos. And they said, uh, that sounds a little bit more Greek. And I just kind of went with it because it just I got tired of telling people you know, whether it was Kirkus or Kirkos. I kind of like both, so it works. I love that. Mm-hmm. You say tomato, I say tomato, and it still tastes as good, right? Mary, I, don't, I, I do not like tomatoes, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, Jim, do this for us. Tell everyone what the Meadowlands Chamber is and why you matter. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, so Meadowlands Chamber is a business service organization that was established in the early 70s. 
We were an outgrowth of the Secaucus Merchants Association at the time when uh, the Meadowlands was uh, just you know, coming into itself and exploding, especially all around the sports complex when they were building the original giant stadium, you know, and the racetrack, and then eventually uh, the arena. And so uh, currently today we have about 1,150 company members. We specialize in representing businesses of all sizes, from personal and professional development, uh, powerful networking opportunities, and a strong advocacy for economic development and transportation, flood control, all of the big picture items that creates a, an economic atmosphere that allows businesses to grow. I'm sorry for interrupting, Jim. Real quick, give us an update on the American Dream over there and uh, the Meadowlands area. Jim has been on so many times with us on the air over the last many, many years on State of Affairs. By the way, State of Affairs is the second half hour of the leadership hours, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Jim has been giving us updates on the television side for years about the American Dream Project. Uh, where are we? A ton of activity. I drove by it just last week heading up to Hackensack, and I cannot believe, Jim, how much activity. There's cranes everywhere you look, new buildings going up. I'm, so I'm it's excited. Happening? Oh, it's happening all right. In fact, it's funny that you asked me about this today. I drove around the complex this weekend, and I took my wife in and around the complex, not on the inside because uh, there was nobody there, but it's even amazing to me. I'm all around the facility uh, a couple of days a week during the work week, but when you go by it a week later and see so much more progress, it's rather remarkable. So it looks like they will have the entire project closed in before the dead of the winter, which will allow them to work all winter on the indoors. I'm sure that's their plan. And what's really remarkable to me is that it's such a complicated construction project. They're putting steel up on the outside, and they're putting up the walls and plexi product roofing that will allow natural light to come into the product while they're building the roller coasters inside the amusement park, while they're, while they're roller building coasters. the Roller coasters. Mm -hmm. And a water park, too. Uh, what? No, in, indoor amusement park, indoor water park. It's just going to be something that is uh, spectacular. And frankly, the project is a game changer for the economy up here in North Jersey especially the great Meadowlands. This is Jim Kirkos, and he is the CEO of Meadowlands Chamber. He's a partner. He's a friend. We've been uh, working together for years. He's on our board, board of our production company. Okay, I got to ask you something, Jim. You work with leaders of all stripes at the Chamber, fair to say? Yes, absolutely. Is there one characteristic, one leadership trait that you see that virtually all of them possess? And if so, what is it? It's interesting you say that. I think the dominant trait that I try to emulate as I continuously work at being a better leader, Steve, is that every great leader is a great listener. And there are many people, if I think about sitting around a boardroom or sitting around a think tank session, there's always going to be a couple of people that want to talk and be heard. But those that are sitting around the table listening to everyone else and formulating their opinion and using what they hear to add to whatever they're going to contribute is the common denominator in some of the best leaders that I get to see on a regular basis within my organization and the organizations that I'm involved with. And that quiet leadership of just listening to what others have to say and then using it to shape their own thoughts is a powerful message. And I share that with, with young emerging leaders within our organization because their excitement sometimes wants them to talk quickly. And I try to tell them, just pause, listen, and then let's talk. Real quick follow-up on this, Jim. 
By the way, Steve Adubato with Mary Gamba. This is the Leadership Hour on AM 970. I want to thank you for listening to us every Sunday at 2 p.m. or checking us out on our podcast or both. Jim, let me try this. You mentioned this whole listening thing. You also know that Mary and I have been coaching and teaching people how to present and communicate in public for years. Listening is a great leadership trait. We agree. Hard. Harder than ever, potentially, given all the distractions around us, the need to be present. But here's the thing. In terms of public communication, what do you see in the leaders you interact with in terms of their ability to effectively communicate a message in a compelling fashion? Do you see it across the board or are making too much of it? No, 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 you're not making too much of it. Actually, I think there are some of the great leaders that I respect immensely. Many of them have problems articulating their message at times, and that's just a matter of being better public speakers. And the reason I feel so strongly about the listening side, Steve, is because it allows me to gather my thoughts so that I can articulate the priority of what I really want to say or the message that I want to get through. And so for me personally, as I've emulated that particular trait, don't get me wrong, I also respect greatly those that are passionate. When you listen to a passionate person that has a thoughtful articulation of a message, then it's really impactful because it comes off as not only credible but very sincere, and people want to follow sincere leaders. I'm going to try this one. You've interacted with a lot of leaders in CEO positions or top executive positions at the chamber. One subject we have not explored to the degree we should have and, and will continue to moving forward is succession. To what degree, Jim, we're talking to Jim Kirkus, who is the CEO of Meadowlands Chamber. This is Steve Adubato and Mary Gamba on the Leadership Hour. To what degree have you seen leaders very uncomfortable and having a very hard time turning the reins over and stepping off the leadership stage and in the process, quote, getting someone else ready to step up and lead. Yeah, that is an acquired trait, Steve. I don't believe that that is something that comes natural to a leader. I think there are natural-born leaders that have a whole bunch of other characteristics, but that one in particular, it's you know micromanaging, learning how not to micromanage, and learning how to empower those around you to be that leader and then eventually having the trust to be able to let go is, a, I believe, is a learned skill. I'm not just talking about micromanaging. I'm talking about you prepare someone to take your job. Yeah. Personally, I think that is a skill that needs to be learned because there's a comfort level in that. Because people that are born leaders, first of all, they're very confident in themselves. And there's a certain degree of nobody can do it better than me. Right? And right? So yeah, yeah. I don't know anything to, about that over I, here, Jim. I believe Jim. that. Mary and I believe that, but go ahead. I believe that every, in every ounce of my being, Jim. Go ahead, yeah, Jim. Well, listen, and, and, and so do I. But at some particular point in time, you know that you just can't do it all, right? And so the people around you, you have to be able to grow other emerging leaders around you and build that particular team. And especially, you know, listen, there's going to come a day when it's time for me to either move on or to retire. And when that happens, I will spend a good amount of time preparing the next leader of this organization to make it much better than what I've been able to lead it at. But I do think that's a topic, Steve, that I think we should and you should address more frequently 
because I think it's a learned skill. I don't think it comes natural to even some of our best leaders. I smell and I feel another seminar that we do with the Meadowlands Chamber uh, with Jim and his team on this topic. Jim, you feel That's the same funny. Way? I'm, I'm writing that down as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I should let everyone know it is not a paid gig that I'm promoting. Jim is a partner and a friend, and not that anyone cares, but it is all part of our relationship. And it just I just find anytime you get a chance to talk to a group of great leaders, it's just part of what makes this job fun. Mary, I got a minute left with Jim. You got yeah, something Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I mean, in terms of succession planning, especially as Steve and and I, we're not getting any younger and we're starting to see more yeah, and more. thanks for sharing. More and more. I, I said to Steve earlier today, I finally feel like an adult for the first time and it's odd to me and it's just fascinating to witness it and be a part of it. And so many of our clients that we work with day to day are doing just that. They're they're retiring. They're moving on. They're becoming going from a president and CEO to participating as a chairman of a board or or, or a chairman emeritus or a chairman of the golf course because they're really retiring and hanging up no, there. No, uh, I'm not ready. I Get know the you're hook. not. I Get them out of here. We might have to start playing that music like they do at the Emmys. Don't and do just, that. I know. Well. It may happen. And and just, you know, Jim, what we always talk about, Steve and I, is just, you know, how do you know when you're ready and, and how do you let go of those things? It's your baby. You've built it. You've created it. How do you trust in the people and how do you know who's the one or do you know the one that is going to succeed you and to continue with the greatness that you started. By the way, let's clarify, Jim is not ready. No, 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 no. Uh, that's, that's correct. Jim is not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Neither is Steve, Jim. Trust me. <laughs> and listen, the prospects of being the chairman of the golf club and just playing golf on a regular basis is something that's very appealing to me, but I'm not ready. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's also not an overnight process. So it is no. something that takes years. If done correctly, succession planning should be a year. But remember years. what Jim Kirko said. It is a learned skill, and it's not naturally in a lot of our DNA. Fair to say, Jim? I think it is, because I'm self-reflecting here in this part of the We make people think, which is possibly not good. good, I'm I'm self-reflecting and saying to you that, honestly, that this is something that I have to learn how to be better at, and that I think if I had to answer your question honestly, Mary, I would say to you that I'll feel comfortable when I find someone that's most like me. Wow. Wow. Um, that's when I'll feel. And I don't know whether, Steve, you're going to have to grade me on whether that's good or bad. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, if I can find someone with the passion and sincerity and. And the relationship building skills the, that you have. Exactly. Yep. That's when, you know, you'll know it. There'll be a certain comfort level in that particular skill set. Because it goes back to what I said earlier. You know, you feel like you're the only one that can do certain yeah. things within your organization. So it almost makes sense that you'll feel comfortable when you find someone that is closely emulates what the skill set that perhaps you have. Well, listen, um, I want to thank Jim Kirkos for this therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> that has everybody thinking, including me. Uh, Jim Kirkos, our great friend, the CEO of Meadowlands Chamber. Um, by the way, Jim, give everyone the website because they also you also have a great publication you put out as well. Go ahead. Oh, thanks, Steve. It's www.meadowlandsusa.com, and that is the organization's uh, publication blog, uh, digital blog, and, and magazine, and just about everything we do is uh, is on that blog. And by the way, including the Meadowlands Minute that we have um, running with Jim and his team is on there as well, right, Jim? 
It is, and, and that's been a, a really successful program. And I'm so happy that's a collaboration that we did together, Steve. Thank you. So everybody knows that's an excerpt from one of our uh, broadcasts with a leader of any stripe talking about something interesting and important. Hey, Jim, thank you. And you're not ready to be the chairman of the uh, golf club yet. Not yet. Neither am I. Good job, my friend. Talk soon. Good to be with you all. You got it. So as is often the case with the Leadership Hour, mm -hmm. Brian, are we not even going to breaks anymore? No. Following your lead. It's great. No, we don't have to because no, we, we to. can. Yeah, unless you need a break. No, you, I don't need you, a break. Uh, well, I mean, no. you never know. I mean, we're all getting older. You may need a you few need minutes. To, you don't need to keep repeating that, Mary, because that's a, a biological fact that everyone knows. But I'm going to tell you something. Jim said, Jim Kirko said that he would be more prepared at some point down the road to, to step aside when he found someone like him. And I'm going to make it even worse, not worse, but more complicated. Part of my dilemma, uh, because a lot of what we've built, it's interesting. I think if you work for a company, like a publicly traded company or an organization that's been around a long time, and you're, you're the leader of that organization, someone else was the leader of that organization before. But we're here with Brian Brodeur. Brian, you started this operation. That's right. I started our two operations, one our not-for-profit production company and two, this leadership development company called Stand and Deliver. Here's the dilemma, at least as I see it. If you created it, at least in my mind, there's nobody like me. And I'm not saying that, hopefully, I don't even care if it sounds egotistical. I hope you don't take it that way, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I actually don't believe that. I actually don't believe there's anyone as passionate and committed and staying up at night thinking about stuff with both entities as I would. And I believe that's what it takes to be a great leader of any organization. So part of the dilemma in succession planning is if one has created something, whatever that is, succession planning becomes a much more complicated and, dare I say, personal issue. Well, it could also be an impossible issue. If you created a brand that is you, you are the sole brand, and we've talked about this a lot, you are the brand, you are it's the person on the air. It's not just me. A lot air. of people are in this position. Talking to Tony Robbins, for example, if you're, think about it, if you're an artist of any sort, if you're a musician, an actor, they're the brand. There's not a succession plan. I went to see Tony uh, Bennett last year at the New Jersey Performing <laughs> Arts Center. What's his succession plan? Exactly. So <laughs> there, there is a difference. And I think it even took us a long time to figure it out because we kept on saying the what next, right, with right. the nonprofit and with your the leadership, communication, coaching, and training. And sometimes, it, depending upon the organization, there may not be a next in the traditional sense, meaning that if you're talking like the Meadowlands Chamber that has been around for decades, then there is going to be a next. There's going to be another person that comes in and is the CEO of the Meadowlands Chamber. But how hard is it going to be for Jim Krokos to find someone? I mean, this guy is passionate, yeah. committed. He's the one who stays mm -hmm. up at night as well. I think that's when it comes down to, as he said, you want to try to find that person, whatever the qualities and characteristics are within yourself that you know has gotten the organization to where it is, whether it's passion, enthusiasm, I'm a strategic thinker. You almost need to make that list of all those characteristics. And then in the interview process, as you're starting to feel, and I do believe that a lot of times great leaders come from within the organization because they're already buying into yeah. what it is. I think it's a lot more challenging to go out externally and get somebody who really doesn't understand what it is that you do. So listen, that's Mary Gamba. I'm Steve Autobot. I'm going to ask Mary a question and follow up.
So say I choose to stay around longer than you, even though I am older than you by a considerable amount. But you decide, hey, I'm going down to the Carolinas or wherever mm -hmm. you're going to go and because you've often talked about the things you oh, want to yeah. do in the next chapter of your life. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that you could prepare a quote-unquote successor to – why are you taking a deep breath as I'm saying this? But you talk about, hey, I, I, I don't know about you, Steve. I think you want to do this longer than I do, all the things you – me? I got a few more years and then I'm whatever. Well, tell me how you're going to do your succession plan. How does that work? It's funny that you ask, and the reason I took a deep breath is because I would have had an entirely different answer to this question probably about, mm, let's do the math right here, five years ago, six years ago. But if Laura is listening, when you have somebody- Laura on our team? Laura Van Bloom on our team. She is- Well, we're naming names and now. And I am. Laura, I hope you're listening. She we're is the, make her I know, exactly. She is the exact reason why I believe in succession planning, because she is the exact type of person that I could easily walk out tomorrow and say, Steve, she's got this. And when we hired her, we hired her for an entirely different thing, for marketing, branding, By the way, PR. Give a little background, folks, so, and I get to it. Laura, yeah. Laura came in as uh, a part-time marketing yeah. communications Social person. Social media. We didn't even have Twitter. I, th I think it's longer than Three that. Four. Go ahead. That's how I know I'm getting older. Everything just goes so fast. Right. And what does she have that's so special that makes you think of her in that way as just, a successor? And, and I've said it to her as well, and I think that is part of leadership, is is being up front with those people. And again, we have a lot of everyone on our team right now is, as we always say, They're on excellent. the right seat on the bus, and they all do fantastic things. But is there's that certain factor of, you know, really caring about what they do. It's not about, oh, you know, it's five o'clock, I'm out of here. But it's also not about, you know, oh, I have to be online every two seconds. No, but it's caring enough to be connected, staying relevant, staying on top of what needs to get done, reminding others of what they – she was never hired to be a leader in the organization. She had a role. She had get a function. Get stuff done. That was her she job. She made a decision to put her hand up and say, how can I help? And not – a lot of people say that, right? A lot of people say, oh, how can I help? They mean it in a nice way, but really having them help is more of a hindrance because you still have to train them on how to do it. You never had to do that with her. So she really makes me believe that when that time comes, and it's not anytime soon, we've talked about it. But yeah, there are other professional things that I may want to try in my life. And it doesn't mean that, you know, it's a breakup or anything like that. But every professional has a direction that they need to go in their lives. And now having someone like Laura, and it may or may not be Laura when that time comes, um, hopefully she is listening and she'll say yes and she'll raise her hand. But, but what, how is this a leadership-related topic? It's completely— Sometimes people might be thinking when we do the show, why are they talking about retirement mm -hmm. and what does that have to do with leadership? Everything. I know I keep saying it and it sounds redundant, but leadership is everything having to do with what moves the organization forward. Jim Kirkus, who we just had on a few minutes ago, the CEO of the Meadowlands Chamber, talked about the great leaders are great listeners— being present, being in the moment. I am the worst culprit of when someone is talking, I'm starting to craft what I'm about to say next before they even finish. And that's so unfair. So everything involving building relationships with your team, helping with the succession plan, helping your team lead change, rebranding, reinventing yourself, it all comes back to leadership. Because what makes that happen? A great leader makes that happen. Let me get this. 
<laughs> I'm actually joking live on the air. <laughs> I am CPR certified, Steve. You know what, See, Mary? I can be a leader and I could come over and I could give well, you that. Well, great, because the succession plan may kick in sooner <laughs> <laughs> if I don't get this together. Um, oh, my God. Um, so, so, you know what's interesting to me about this is that leadership is partly about having the confidence of believing that you can make the tough decisions, you can take on these difficult challenges, you can motivate people to do things that they say they can't do or don't want to do but need to be done for the organization, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But truly great leadership is also about having the humility to realize that um, you ain't here forever and even though you're passionate about what you do, you're not supposed to be here forever. You're not supposed to be in that leadership position forever. And yes, every organization is different if you started it. And the Tony Robbins analogy I really like because, um, A, uh, I'd like to make the money that Tony makes, but, but more importantly, there is no other Tony Robbins. And if someone, if Tony Robbins were to say, from a succession point of view, um, Jane Smith is the new Tony Robbins. People are like, no, I want Tony Robbins. No, nobody's going to buy it. And he may have a little bit of longevity with CDs or books or videos or what have you, but it's not going to be the same. But that's not the norm. Right. So for the most of the leaders we're talking to, you work in an organization. You work in an organizational bureaucracy slash structure. And um, I have seen top executives literally have to be pulled off that stage and they didn't make the call. Mm-hmm. They waited too long. They resisted it. They procrastinated. Right. And a board stepped in. The yeah. people who have the corporate governance responsibility and said, Jim, Jane, whomever, now is the time. Right. And it wasn't pretty. No. And then we have other executives that we work with, leaders, who one of them recently came to us and said, <clears throat> It's my time. And this person is comparable to, to my age. Mm-hmm. And I, in my mind, this person's at the top of his or her game. Mm-hmm. And I was stunned when it was said to me because I'm thinking, what are you doing? You're at the top of your game. And his position is, um, there are other things I want to do. Exactly. I've taken the organization as far as I think I can. And I'm also not going to wait for somebody else to tell me it's time to leave the stage, you say? I say I am right there with him or her, and it is. it needs to be a personal choice to a degree. If that personal choice is I'm going to stay here until I'm 95 because I'm stubborn and I just want to continue doing what I'm doing, then you're really not a true leader because you're not looking out for what is best for that organization. How about if you think you're at the top of your game until you're – Whatever age. Then you're delusional. Then you're delusional. <laughs> then you need to get. Then you need to get that cane and get that pulling them off the stage and really? get the music you gotta playing. Really, you got to get the hook. Yeah, and that's embarrassing. And and athletes do it. Athletes right? stay too long. Athletes stay too long, and then when they do have their swan song, it's sort of like, well, you kind of, you know, you were just sent to another team because you're really not good at what you do anymore, but you still want to play. And and some of those leaders do end up coming back to that organization. Not. I'm doing a hockey analogy here for any hockey people, but Martin Brodeur. Oh, my yeah, opinion, that's right. You're a big Devils fan. He, he stayed a little bit too long. As a goalie? As a goalie. 
for whatever reason, and that's when obviously he left the Devils for a little while because he wanted to keep on but, but playing. But hold on, stay on this from a leadership perspective. Yeah. Martin Brodeur decided he because he loved the game. He thought he was still a good, uh, or if not a great goalie. And who is anyone to tell him he's not? Isn't that part of being a leader, having the confidence in yourself? It is, but it isn't. If it's your time, I believe it's better to go out on top as a superstar, as a rock star, have your send off on your, you know, terms. Yeah, on your own terms. Really? I do believe that. And I, I think it's and I think it's more fair to do to your team, whether we're talking a true team, a sports team or a Whatever team in business. Team. It doesn't matter. And you need to have the best interest of the organization in mind at all the time. I, at all times. That is what a true leader is. And does. even if you think you're the best? Well I'm the best leader, so I'm gonna lead the organization. Right. You need to also have perspective and you need to wow. look within and that's why we have this show. That's why fortunately we're gonna be able to do this show for a very long time because there's no right answer to any of this. Well it's may not there may not be the right one right answer. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you this one of the things I've learned from coaching, teaching, writing about leadership, but more importantly, trying to be a leader, is that there are some practices that are better than others. Mm -hmm. They're not perfect, and they don't always work all the time, but there are some practices that are pretty yeah. bad. Well, and there's also history. You can learn a lot from looking at what other leaders have done. Did they retire yes. too young? Did they retire too old? Did they die in that position and never even got to enjoy? I worked all this time, and I was a multimillionaire, and never once did I actually enjoy Taking a deep breath. Nor did they develop somebody else to step up. Right. So you can learn a lot from others. Oh, boy. My head hurts. Um, in a good way. From thinking. That's good. Yeah. From thinking. I'm going to pick this topic up right here, but then I'm going to – we're going to do it on another show. Loyalty. I mentioned it to you before. Um, as we do this program, President Trump – and we don't do politics on this show because mm -mm. politics doesn't even interest me that much. Leadership does. President Trump has said, you know what? I got people around me who are not loyal. They're gone, whether it's an anonymous person with the New York Times or whatever, people who talked to Bob Woodward about in his book, uh, which I'm reading right now. Um, what's the name of the book, Brian? Fire. Fire. Thank you very much. What's realistic for a leader to expect from those around him or her if they think fear? <laughs> <laughs> what? Want to pick up that question again? The book is called Fear. Fear? Yeah. fear. Okay. Are you sure? It is. Wow. Yeah. It's not called Fire. It's called Fear. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. So my, my I bad. fear fire. So <laughs> that's I think what I was. They're thinking. both four letters. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what, Mary? Why don't we do this? Why don't we, why don't you want to pick up the loyalty yeah. question on well, the yeah, show? Because you got thirty seconds left. Yeah. No. Absolutely. See, I but I, I see you as incredibly intensely loyal to me. Yes. I am very loyal to what I believe every aspect of my life. It's all compartmentalized. I'm loyal to when I leave at the end of the day and I'm working at my with for my son's hockey team, when I'm working as a team manager for my other son's hockey team, to my husband, to my animals in my home, to my children. Loyalty. Loyalty. There's not blind? much else we have. No, no. We not can blind pick loyalty. that up. No, absolutely not. No. Loyalty is like anything else. It's like respect. You need to earn my loyalty, and if you've earned it, then I'll be loyal to you. But if not, then not so much. Let's pick it up in the next uh, leadership hour. Oh, my God. Uh, it is. If this is not like therapy for you, whether you think you need it or not, then you don't appreciate the leadership hour because uh, it is thought-provoking. Mm -hmm. It is compelling. And it's on every Sunday at 2 p.m. on AM 970. Steve Adubato with 
uh, Mary Gamba and our colleague Brian Brodeur will be back next Sunday for another edition of the Leadership Hour. Stay tuned for the second half hour, which is, in fact, State of Affairs with me, Steve Adubato. Check you out next week, folks. This is Mary Gamba. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with State of Affairs with Steve Adubato, where we look at the most pressing issues facing the state of New Jersey. This edition of the Steve Adubato Leadership Hour has been made possible by New Jersey Resources. Hi, I'm Patrick Dunnikin. At Gibbons, we believe that citizens need to be informed about the complex issues that affect their lives. That's why we're proud to support the programming produced by the Caucus Educational Corporation and their partners in public television. State of Affairs with Steve Adubato is brought to you from the Agnes Veris NJTV studio at 2 Gateway. Funding has been provided by the law firm of Gibbons PC, RWJ Barnabas Health, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, PSENG, committed to providing safe, reliable energy now and in the future. Rowan University, educating New Jersey leaders, partnering with New Jersey businesses, transforming New Jersey's future. International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. And by Keystone Mountain Lakes Regional Council of Carpenters. Your future is in our building. Promotional support provided by Insider NJ. And by Meadowlands Chamber. Building connections, driving business growth. Welcome to State of Affairs. I'm Steve Adubato. We're coming to you from the Agnes Varis NJTV studio in Newark. We're honored to be joined once again by the president of the State Senate of New Jersey, Steve Sweeney. Good to see you. Great to see you, Steve. Thank you for joining us. Um, last time you were here, you talked about the fact that you were forming a task force to look at state spending in the state. That task force met many, many times, came out with a series of recommendations. You want to go through some of them? Yes, yeah, Steve. You know, it, it, and it's wide range. You know, we, we have to focus on uh, new pension plans, new health care plans, uh, trying to streamline our schools. Public employees. Public employees, yeah, because that's who, who's, paying the ta who's paying that. We are taxpayers. And we, we're really at a point where you can't raise taxes anymore. We're taxed out in this state. Can't. Can't. We, need to, if, fix. Uh, governor, we need to fix now. What about the governor comes here next month or so in state of affairs and says, you know what? I'd rather not raise taxes again, but you know what? We got to find uh, new revenue to support the programs that the people of New Jersey want. You say? Well, then we have to reform government to find the money. That's what I say. We have to fix this place, Steve. Look, last year there was $1.5 billion tax increase. That's way too much. And I went along with it because half of it's going to go away in a few years. Hold on one second. The taxes are raised not on millionaires, but on people who earn over $5 million a year income tax. You and went along with that because? Well, it, as part of trying to get a budget done, I, I don't like any of it, to be perfectly honest with you. I want to fix what's going on here. We're overtaxed in this state. And now we have, now that we did this, now's our opportunity to focus on how we fix New Jersey. And fixing New Jersey is doing government differently. You know, Steve, we have so many school districts in the state of New Jersey. And you have, you know, K-4, to K-6, to K-8. to When we were talking to former Commissioner Lucille Davey, we found out most important Commissioner of education former commissioner of education right. lucille davy that those schools don't always coordinate curriculum with the high school where they're sending the kids so if you have a regional high school you may have five schools going to that regional high school 
all de teaching different history, teaching different math. So these kids are at different levels when they get there. In fact, talking to some of the superintendents, they can't even get their local regional, uh, the elementaries, to coordinate schedules. So like if you have a kid in high school, you know, you might have one kid in high school off one day. And uh, long story short, if we were to eliminate the K to four, K to six, K to eight districts and put them into a K-12. Consolidate? Yeah. We would go from 600 school districts to 320. And we're not talking about taking the kids out of the buildings where they're at. We're talking about improving the quality of education, number one. Right. That's the most important thing. And there'll be savings that go along with it. So, you know, look, I, I grew up in a K-12 you know, district where I grew up in Pensalkin when I was growing up. There's nothing wrong with that. And we're not talking about pulling kids from out of their schools. You know, uh, John, Johnny will still have the same fourth grade history teacher but, if they're in East Greenwich. There might be, there, but there won't be an administration there besides an the infrastructure, principal. A bureaucracy. Yeah, you'll have, a, you'll have a principal, but that's it. So let's go through this. By the way, we're talking to State Senate President Steve Sweeney. This is State of Affairs. I'm Steve Adubato. There's a task force that was put together, came through with a, a whole series of recommendations. Uh, real quick, you talked about the... Um, State employees, health and pension benefits. We had actually the folks, the leaders of the NJEA in, and they said, you know what, we cut this deal with uh, the public employees, cut a deal with the Murphy administration, and we are giving up more when it comes to health benefits, and we're saving $500 million, and I think you're saying what? Steve, they're two years late to the dance. The public employees, the regular public employees, state employees, made these changes to their health plan two years ago. And they saw decreases in their contributions. The leaders in the NJEA, by not getting on with things and moving forward, a teacher was paying $2,000 a year for a family plan more than a public employee because they didn't want to make changes. And oh, by the way, there's a lot more that needs to be done so we can invest in education, so we can invest in higher ed, so we can invest in pre-K. Right now, all we're doing is funding, I'll give you an example. The, the, the growth in the state of New Jersey is going to be completely eaten up by the health care and the pension costs this year. So if we get a billion one in new growth, new, new dollars, dollars. And brand new dollars, it all gets eaten up there. Now I got to fund New Jersey Transit. Now I got to fund pre-K. Now I got to fund schools. I got to fund high schools. There's no money for that. It's all being eaten up, period. By pension and health care. By the way, you mentioned pre-K. I know there's a universal pre-K initiative yes. that has uh, gone a long way in the state. We're involved in an initiative that folks who watch this series know. It's called um, Right From The Start NJ. You're going to see the website up right now. Go on. There's articles there. There's past segments we've done on this. It deals with zero to three children, excuse me, infants and toddlers, and also prenatal care. Where are we, Senator Sweeney, and where do we need to be in terms of what the state's contribution and role here is? And it seems to me you just said money ain't there. But we need to make the right investments, Steve. We can't just fund government. We need to fund programs that are going to help children be better citizens as they grow up. You know, Senator Teresa Ruiz, who's head of our Senator education. Senator Teresa Ruiz is right here. By the way, check that website. I'll see that interview. She talked about this here. She's also a pretty new mom. Yeah, and you know something? But she and I both agree we should be taking children from birth, educating children from birth. My daughter has Down syndrome. You know that. Well, we had early intervention when she was five weeks old. She was learning. A brain develops, 85% of your brain develops from birth to five years old. The earlier you get kids, the smarter, the better, the more adapted, the more adjusted they're going to be in life. So that's a wonderful program and it's a goal. Now, I would rather be investing in those things. I want to promise I want to keep the pensions that we owe our workers, but I need a new pension system for Moving the state. Moving forward? Moving forward, we need a new system. With new employees? Yes. 
Keep the promise you made to the employees that, that are working right now. Don't break that promise. But understand, we can't tax our way out of this problem. We're going to be billions of dollars short, Steve. Let's go move to this. By the way, Senate President Steve Sweeney is here. I'm Steve Adubato. This is State of Affairs. This task force that the Senate President actually talked about right here on State of Affairs that a lot of people are reporting on, we're trying to make sense of. Uh, new toll roads with, quote, express lanes. Steve, they're called hot lanes. And there are brand new lanes that are added, additional lanes that are added on federal highways, which is 78 and 80. Now, you know up here, they're parking lots. So if you choose to get on one of these express lanes, you're going to pay. You're going to pay for it. It would be privately developed or with the turnpike could even build them if they want it. But it would be an option for someone if they wanted to not sit in the parking And the lot. revenue goes? And the revenue would go to pay for the roads that were built, and there would be additional revenue that would come to the state of New Jersey. We would get a piece of the revenue. We would get a piece of the state of New Jersey. So basically, you're building more capacity, which for even the people that can't afford, there'd be less traffic on 78 and 80 because you'd have other people taking these other roads. You'd improve, mm. you know, obviously, if you have more lanes, traffic's going to flow better. And if people want to pay a premium for that, they've done it in other states, Maryland and Virginia, and it works. Senator, let me ask you this. Uh, in the second half of this program, uh, we'll be joined, uh, Jackie Rape, by the Assembly uh, Republican leader, John Bramnick. He was actually here, we taped it earlier, and, and he was talking about the fact that he felt he had a strong, constructive, productive relationship with you. He talked about how, where he agreed with some of these task force recommendations and where he doesn't. Yeah. But there's a larger point. I had a detailed the conversation with him, and you can check that out if you haven't seen it yet, about the tone and tenor of politics in this nation and how polarized and how divisive we are. You say? But not here in New Jersey. Really? Really? We're that much different? You, no. you respectfully, Senate President Sweeney, you think family members and others are able, friends are having comfortable, honest conversations with each other about where they are politically because we're in Jersey? No, but what I'm talking about is elected officials. You mean the leaders? The leaders. Like, John Bramnick is a dear friend of mine. And I respect the hell out of Republican. It's okay. Does that even matter to you? No, because you can't accomplish anything meaningful in this state with just trying to do it in a partisan way. You know, I need Tom Kane to work with me. I need Republican John Republican Senator Tom Kane. You know, I need John Bromnick. I need Craig Coughlin. We need to work together. We need the governor. We, it can't be a partisan issue because the easy things are easy. These are hard things, which means you need to be able to get across over the aisle join hand-in-hand hand and move forward with the tough things, because it's just too easy, Steve. What don't they understand them. in Washington, D.C., Senator? Well, what's happened, Steve? The parties have just driven everybody to the left and to the right, and unfortunately, 80 percent of us are in the middle. Can't put this all on Donald Trump. No. I put it on the parties. I blame the parties. The parties are getting so polarized. You know, the Republicans have the Tea Party, and, and, and the Democrats have the Progressive Party. And they don't, th and, and or the quote socialist party, Democrat Democrat socialist, socialist, right? And and the biggest problem is, they think compromise is a bad thing. Mm. I think compromise is how you get things done. And again, in New Jersey, we respect each other. Even when we fight, it's respectful, and we try to work together. You know, you just had Kip Bateman in here. Yes, yeah, Senator he's, Kip he's, Bateman on another program, Republican, dear friend of mine. Respect the hell out of in him. Somerset County. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. This whole, by the way, real quick on Donald Trump. Policy aside, well, how, what do you say to those who say, listen, I agree with a lot of his policies. They've helped the country. Our economy is strong. There are more jobs than ever. His demeanor, style as a leader, dare I say, trump that? I, I, I think that 
what the, what the president has done to this country is destroying it. It's tearing it apart at this fabric. And the economy is, they just said, corporations had the largest buyback of stocks ever in the history of this nation. And that's because Donald Trump's tax cut. It didn't get to the workers. It did, you know, there's some of it, like 6% of it got to the workers. And it was normally in bonuses, not even put in the base pay. Steve, this, this president is so decisive and, and it, it's scary because it, it's the, the people that are unwilling to give are running this country now. I'm sorry for getting so national. I'll bring it back to our yeah. mandate in New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey Transit, give me 30 seconds. Where are we? Where do we need to go? Look, we have a bill in the Senate that we passed that we hope the Assembly will be passing pretty soon. Loretta Weinberg sponsored Senator, Senator Weinberg. Weinberg. And it actually creates a lot more transparency, adds members to the board. The commuters at New, Jersey at New Jersey Transit has the meetings in the evening, not during the day. And look, it, it, it broke. It, it didn't break overnight. It's going to take time to fix it. This is this is beyond Christie into Corzine, maybe even to, into McGreevy. It's been bad. Let's do this. Uh, Senate President Steve Sweeney in the House. Steve Adubato here. Let's talk about real quick. Uh, we had Senator Joseph Vitale talking about the uh, pedophilia crisis, if you will, in the Catholic Church, wanting to expand the statute of limitations, um, lift it, right, and change it so that people who say they were abused by a priest at some point, they could bring it up at whatever point. There's legislation about that, you say? We're working with Senator Vitale to figure out the legislation we can get passed in both houses and signed by the governor. You know, Steve, there's, 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 there's no room in this world for anybody abusing a child. There's no room in this world. You think the Catholic Church, you're Catholic, I'm Catholic, you know? It's not we just the Catholic Church, Steve. Well, well, well on, on this one, though, respectfully, Senator, do you think the Catholic Church has handled this in any way that should keep government out of it? No. But, like, listen, but it's not, I'm telling you, government's got concerns with this, too. What do you school mean? districts, school boards. Listen, when, when this bill comes up, we you have... with abuse of, of... We have, we have government entities are concerned about crafting a bill where the governments can be sued, you know, forever. School districts as well? Yeah, yeah. So that's what you mean by not just the church? Yes. It's, it's, it's towns, it's counties, it's school districts. There, there's all... We've heard all from all these people. Look, we got to make sure we do what's right for the abused, from the person that's abused. That's where you start. Uh, last question. I'm curious about this. Um, you and Governor Murphy. Yeah. We're not a show about politics or inside the beltway, if you will. Constructive, meaningful dialogue going on between you about the issues that matter most? Yeah. We, listen, we were, if, if people looked at the body of the work that we did, we got a lot accomplished. Did we fight? Yeah, we fought. We Democrats fight. Steve, you fought we, with Chris, Chris, Chris Christie. I fought. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm 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 Irish and Italian. I fight publicly. I don't hide anything, <laughs> you know. And and listen. And when I when I think he's right, I'm going to be with him. When I don't agree with him, I'm not going to agree. Look, we're working on marijuana right now. We're yeah. working real hard on marijuana. We want to get a minimum wage built on, uh, you know. So there's things we're Is working. Is that going to happen? We'll get them done. We'll get them done. But again, it's going to be a compromise. It's not going to be all my way or no way. It's not a bad word. No, I believe in compromise. Senate President Steve Sweeney believes in compromise, and uh, I look forward to the conversation as we move forward. And by the way, we will hopefully be joined by Governor Phil Murphy in our next taping, and I'll have a chance to talk about how he sees the future of New Jersey. But as always, as Senate President Steve Sweeney, I want to thank you for joining us on State Thanks, of Affairs. Thanks, Steve. As always. Thanks, Bill. Okay. Steve Adubato, State of Affairs. Check us out after this. To see more State of Affairs with Steve Adubato programs, visit us online at stateofaffairsnj.org.
If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Steve PhD. And follow us on Twitter at Steve Adubato. Back by popular demand, State of Affairs welcomes. State Assemblyman John Bramnick, he's a Republican. He admits it. He's also the leader of the Republican Party in the State Assembly, serving for how long? 15 years. You are an attorney as well. You are also the only member of the state legislature doing stand-up on a regular basis, stand-up comedy, correct? I'm the only one doing comedy outside of Trenton. <laughs> Would it work there? It's a good, is it a good uh, audience? Uh, no. They don't get it? No. They're not that It's funny. not a bunch of funny people. Not, no. Okay. I mean, some of the legislation's funny, but... Okay, let's talk about not some... Hey, this isn't funny. Steve Adubato here, John, John, more importantly, John Bramnick here. <clears throat> New Jersey Transit. People waiting for trains that don't come. People not told, hey, that train's not coming. People who are supposed to be the engineer. What are they called? Conductors, yeah. right? You can tell I haven't taken a train in a while. Hey, we're not coming into work today. Crisis? Yeah, it's a crisis because lack of information. The most important thing, people can take almost anything if they know what's happening. And with all due respect, the last seven or eight months, there's been no information. Look, if there's not going to be a train, as long as I know the night before, I can make arrangements. But five minutes before it doesn't come, no good. Why do you think that happens? Well, well a lot of reasons. I asked the, uh, the director, and I said, what's of the New story? Jersey Transit. Yeah, I said, what's the <clears throat> deal with the contract? You mean an engineer can just call up five minutes before and not show up? He goes, well, well, well. I didn't get a real answer, but I'm afraid that the system is... There's not much notice needed when an engineer doesn't show up, and that's got to be changed. But I want to clarify. Is an engineer a conductor? No, I think a conductor is a fellow who walks through the train. Okay, I, get I think that. the engineer drives the train. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my life on it, but I think so. I just want to clarify that. Uh, we got the wrong show, person to do the show clarification. Show ignorance right here on public television. Uh, how about this? <clears throat> closer to home. Well, it's not closer to home, but it matters. There are many have said, you've said it as well, we don't get our fiscal house in order in the state of New Jersey. We don't get a second shot at this. Senate President Steve Sweeney actually will be joining us in the studio here at NJTV uh, in Newark in just a little bit today. Series of recommendations after a task force he put together looked at this. He said, you know what? We need to do a bunch of things. We need to merge, consolidate school districts. We need to dramatically change tax policy. We need to do a whole bunch of things. You like it? Well, so, most of those I do. Consolidating school districts has one danger. <clears throat> if you make a county school district, you may not be able to go to your local school. You may just have three choices, and you may not get your first choice, which if you live in Westfield and they do a county school, right. you may go 10 miles away to Linden. You don't like so, that. Well, you want to merge school districts. Just be careful. As long as you get the chance, as long as you get the opportunity to go to your local school, I'm good. The other things are all excellent. Name some of the ones you like. Well, you got to do pension reform. you got to do health care benefit reform. And here's the deal. Five years from now, it's going to get done. It's just a question. Government only does it in a crisis. You're talking about public employees. Well, answer You're talking is, about changing the public employee arrangement with the state of New Jersey, Assemblyman yeah. John Bramnick, as it relates to health care benefits and pension benefits, yeah, correct? Before it goes broke, because it's going to go broke, okay? So you can either address it now or you can address it six, seven years from now. But anyone on Wall Street, any analyst will tell you the system will fail. Period. End of story. So, fine. You want to wait seven years and do it? I'm good. It's yeah, better for it's, me... Actually, it's better for me politically to ignore the issue. You mean as a Republican? No. I have to tell you, every, every politician who goes out there and says, I want reforms, I want reforms, public unions are going to say like this, he's the yeah, bad guy. But, Assemblyman, respectfully, as we are taping today, 
Governor Phil Murphy announced an agreement with the public employee unions to significantly save millions, potentially billions of dollars by renegotiating, by putting those items back on the table, the health care benefits, pension contributions, particularly for future employees. How could you say that public employees are not making changes along with this administration? Well, there were some slight changes done by the governor. Okay, and Which is a good it, thing, no? Well, we're going to have to do an hour's show on what those changes were. But yeah, yes, it's a good thing to start to address it. But it doesn't affect over $100 billion in debt that's owed by this state. It could be up more than $140 billion in debt. Our budget's only $37 billion. Are you talking about unfunded liability of the pension? It, it, exactly. So this minor step forward is, is a good step. But it's far short of what's needed. So what I'm saying is we, we need a whole show on and those changes. Some of those changes, you have to look behind that curtain a little bit. Uh, and we have to talk about that in length, at length. We will have the also today, boy, some great people coming in today, including the leaders of the New Jersey Education Association, public employees greatly affected by that deal. Um, hey, you don't like Donald Trump, do you? Let me tell you, I, what I don't He's the leader like, of your party. Well, he's, well no, no, no. I yes, became, he is. Oh, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I became a Republican in this state because people like Tom Kane Sr., people like George Bush won. I'm going to tell you. Now, we're going to get away from policy for a minute. So there's some, But personality-wise, you have to respect other people. And in my judgment, you have to have empathy for other people. And my concern is that I don't see the empathy that I want as a Republican leader. And I'm going to say it, and I don't care the consequences of that. That's different than policy. Policy, you know, meeting with North Korea or trying to build relationships with the Soviet Union makes some sense. But treat people with respect, show some civility. And my concern is that's not good for the party. Why do you think some believe, many believe, that President Trump has a hard time quote-unquote, taking the high road. And also, let's try this. As we do this program, you recently said, you know what? I don't believe 3,000 people died in this horrific situation last year in Puerto Rico. I think the Democrats are involved in a conspiracy. I don't think John McCain, who, a war hero, buried uh, service to this country, United States Senate, 60 years or so in a, concentra in a uh, prisoner of war camp, he wasn't a war hero. I respect people who were not caught versus people who were caught. You hear that. You ask yourself, He's the leader of the Republican Party. He's the leader of our nation. No, he is. Uh, well, let me tell you this. I don't respect those comments, and I've spoken out about those comments. The vast majority of Republicans and, and supported them in spite of it. Well, look. And support them today in spite look, of it. I'm going to do what I think is right. I was the leader of the civility movement I know. 15 years ago, and I'm not going to put away my moral commitment because someone's the president of the United States. But let's separate. You want to talk about policy or you want to talk about no, how talking he about acts? demeanor and well, leadership style. I, I don't like his demeanor. I, and is it I, dangerous? Well, I think it's dangerous. Yeah, I think it sets uh, a, in motion uh, the ability for people to attack each other. Yeah. I don't like it. Uh, you you want to go to civility? Go to George Bush 1. Go to Got the it. first. Or, or go to Tom Kane Sr. Go Barack Sr. Obama. Look, I, Civil. Look, I'm, civility. I'm the Even Republican, if you I'm with the Republican leader in the House. I stand for the Republicans in New Jersey. And as far as I'm concerned, that lack of civility is not what I like. One quick on policy. I can't believe that you are supportive of the idea of the federal government through the recent tax changes in Washington saying, we're capping state and local deductions, meaning your property tax, your state income tax, I'm not 10 grand, that's the deal. I'm not supportive Why would they have done that? Could that have anything to do with the fact that Democrats, in fact, or those who are in New Jersey, voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016? Or is it some sort of grander... 
fiscal tax policy plan on the I part think of most the of the country most of the country liked it it was really bad what did for it do new for jersey? new jersey it hurt new jersey in my judgment because Absolutely. we can't deduct our taxes beyond 10 grand Absolutely. And the whole argument is, well, we should lower our taxes. That's what a lot well, of your friends well, say. Well, 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 but, yes, if you want to give New Jersey 10 years to do that and you want to phase out a property deduction, I might be with you. But when you do it overnight, in my judgment, it's punitive to hmm. this state. I don't support it. I said I don't support it. Look, just because you're a Republican doesn't mean you like everything a Republican does. Generally, I believe in less government and then people should have freedom. That's the kind of Republican mm. I'm, and I'm not defend, and I'm not going to defend every Republican, including the president. I say Phil Murphy, Governor Phil Murphy. You say, I think he's, re I think he's very, very, very liberal to the point where. Well, let me. Here's my concern: you have to recognize the fiscal problems in the state. Okay. Now he made a slight move the other day, but I truly With believe. The unions, public. Uh, yes, unions. but I truly believe that he's a big government leader, and if you like that. That's, that's it's fine. I believe that we've got a serious crisis fiscally, and I don't think that that's what he focuses on. Do you think he's focused enough on, I've got about 30 seconds left, on the need to cut spending? No, of course not. Not when you do a $1.4 billion tax increase. He asked me, is he concerned about spending? Obviously not. Now, I think, one, he really believes it. I think he's not really a politician. I think he truly, deeply believes what he's doing. I think you he's got to give him credit for that. Absolutely. But I disagree with him. When, is, when did we, when did this become personal? No, but it's what's not, pro the problem with that real quick is? The problem is we can't afford it. We've got to compete with other states. We have to bring businesses in here. We've got to keep people from leaving. How many people are leaving this state because it's too expensive? He does not recognize that, but he's a nice man. Every time, uh, Steve Adubato here, every time we have State Assemblyman John Bramnick, he's engaging, he's interesting, he's informative, and funny. you can catch his stand-up. <laughs> Go on his website, find out what he's doing. And uh, thank you, John. Thank all you the best. So much. As always, it. appreciate it. Thanks. This is State of Affairs. Steve Adubato. Catch you next time. State of Affairs with Steve Adubato is a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation, celebrating over 25 years of broadcast excellence. State of Affairs with Steve Adubato is brought to you from the Agnes Varis NJTV studio at 2 Gateway. Funding has been provided by the law firm of Gibbons PC, RWJ Barnabas Health, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, PSENG, Rowan University, International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, Keystone Mountain Lakes Regional Council of Carpenters, and by these public-spirited organizations, individuals, and associations committed to informing New Jersey citizens about the important issues facing the Garden State, and by Employers Association of New Jersey. PSENG is building New Jersey's clean energy future. We're working to protect our network against extreme weather, expanding and upgrading transmission lines, and modernizing our natural gas system by installing new, more durable underground pipes. At PSENG, our goal is to make sure you have the safe, reliable energy you need to power your life now and into the future. I could feel my lungs fill with oxygen, and I got my life back. The sharing network means to me hope, life, 
and everything. The Sharing Network was a lifeline to me when I really needed it. We are an organ procurement organization. The core purpose of the New Jersey Sharing Network is to save and enhance lives. To honor those who gave. Pay tribute to those who received. Offer hope to those who continue to wait. And remember the lives lost while waiting. For the gift of life. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of the Steve Adubato Leadership Hour has been made possible by New Jersey Resources.